Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Taking a look at the sheep and beef markets, overseas demand remains strong for New Zealand grass-fed beef, with little indication of key export prices dropping. A promising sign is that the volume of beef leaving our shores was the second highest ever for December at 48,800 tonnes. China took almost half at 49%, followed by the US at 29%. The remaining were taken by Japan, South Korea and Taiwan. The US market is only down slightly than it was before Christmas, with imported bull prices fetching north of US 80 cents a pound, above this time last year. Processors continue to battle staffing issues when it comes to processing lambs. Pricing pressure has come off slightly in the North Island, but prices still remain at record levels, which is good. A 15 to 17 kilogram carcass weight lamb, for example, is currently making around $35 a head more than a year ago. It is expected that lamb prices will soften until the end of January. South Island lambs are doing slightly better than expected as feed levels remain decent in many parts given the time of year. With Easter trade knocking on the door, one would hope this will underpin farm gate returns and minimise any downward pressure. Now there have been some reports that Southland is having a drier than usual summer, so I'm catching up with Southland farmer Chris Dillon to see how things are tracking down there. Let's check in with him now. Hello Chris, thank you for chatting with me today and Happy New Year. Yep, Happy New Year to you too. Please can you tell me a bit about your farming operation, where and what you farm? Okay, we're farming in northern Southland. Um, We farm arable crops on two-thirds of the property, um, and the rest of the property is a livestock operation. Uh, It's fairly large scales, 950 hectares, Um, so obviously just over 600 in either uh, wheat, barley, and we also grow oats, peas, beans, and oilseed rape, as well as some grass seeds. And then on the livestock side of things, uh, we run red hinds on uh, two of the properties, um, breeding and finishing them. Uh, we graze dairy heifers. Uh, we run a few sheep and a small amount of beef. Yeah, right. Just, just when, uh, in case we're not busy enough, we've got a small contracting run as well uh, doing a bit of bailing and supplying a bit of feed to a few other local farmers yeah right sounds like a fairly busy and diverse operation there yeah no there's uh, always something happening uh, every day this you don't yeah things change a bit from day to day the weather dictates what we do uh, uh, we usually seem to manage to get it all done yeah so just on that how's summer going for you down in south and i understand it has been a bit drier than normal and southern Southland and possibly western Southland's been drier than normal. They usually catch a, a lot of coastal rain, which they haven't this year. Mm. Um, North, northern Southland's used to getting dry at this time of year. Um, it, fortunately, we caught some thunderstorms two weeks ago, which has kept northern Southland green when the rest of the province is sort of drying up a bit. So not too bad where you are? Not too bad. Everyone wants a shower rain apart from me because I've got the grass seed lying on the ground. But um, the way it's wind road, it 
into a small share. Southern coastal areas, I guess particularly the dairy and sheep and beef guys, uh, will be feeling it a bit. Yeah, yep, they just, they just need a good soaking. They've had a fairly good season to, to now. Mm. Uh, it does dry out in south and uh, time to time. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it's abnormal, but it's probably just slightly drier than normal for those coastal areas. Right, so no one's panicking down there yet? Not, no, haven't heard the panic word. have been questioned a few times in general conversation, not really. It's just everyone mm. at this time of year looks for a shower rain. And for you, particularly on the on the cereal side of things, how are prices holding up? Uh, prices on cereals, well, the one good factor is we've used up everything that was available from last season. So the, the cupboard's empty going into the season, which is always always good. Yeah. Um, contract prices, we've seen about a 7.5%, um, possibly up to 10% increase in, in what we're getting on farm for the grain. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the that's not really enough to offset the the higher prices that we're paying for diesel, fertiliser, um, chemicals and stuff. Yeah, right. So when you look at things like dairy prices, obviously looking solid with record payouts uh, on the on the forecast sheet, uh, red meat returns have been strong also. What do you think the market's going to do this year? Uh, clearly COVID is playing a bit of a role in terms of supply chains. Input costs, as you just mentioned, are getting higher, aren't they? So these increased farm gate returns are absolutely needed, aren't they? Oh, they're definitely needed. Uh, yeah, and um, with the dairy price increase, there's always more demand to push a bit more feed into them, which does use up a bit of grain. So, so looking forward, it may hold the price up even higher towards the end of the season. Mm. Um, the sheep, the sheep meat returns. It, it's been a long time coming for the sheep guys to get to where they've got to now. Mm. It's it's where it needs to be. That's right. 2020, 2021 have been big years for farmers, particularly around regulatory pressure. How are farmers feeling in South and currently on issues like fresh water and intensive winter grazing? Yeah, farmers have been working through this stuff for a long time. Most guys have uh, plans in place around uh, winter grazing. Uh, There is some strong regulatory pressure getting put on by the local council, which is in some of our opinions, probably going even stricter than what the government's plan is. Really? Yeah, no, there's, there's quite a bit of confusion out there at the moment. Um, the, the general public need to understand the farmers want to do the right thing. Um, we probably care about water quality more than more than uh, most people in society. So the council, they aren't essentially singing off the same hymn sheet that central government currently is? Or is it around interpretation of the laws? Yeah, it's around interpretation. It's around a bit of confusion because they were near the end of their plan, trying to push stuff through on that. And um, as I said, perhaps going stronger than the uh, national policy statement in some some parts. Um, they seem to be still pointing the finger a little bit at farmers when a lot of what they're trying to fix is natural state uh, problems. Mm. Um, farmers don't lose sediment uh, you, you own your soil, you don't want to lose it. Um, there is still natural erosion in the high country. that It's not taken into account on a lot of this stuff. Um, some mm. of the numbers around E. coli it doesn't differentiate between the the three different sources of E. coli, whether it's avian or animals or humans. So mm. there's a lot of confusion in amongst that stuff as well, mm. which doesn't help. No, it wouldn't help. And I know a lot of good work is happening in South and via catchment groups 
and organizations like Thriving Southland. Have you been involved in any of these programs? Yeah, I'm involved in um, two catchment groups. Uh, I've got farms either side of the Matera River. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, one of the catchment groups is in its infancy. One's very well established, got some good programs in place at the moment. Um, just really getting data, gathering data, gathering good quality data, water water um, tests everywhere across the catchment and in the main rivers. So they're doing some very good work there. I've had... Um many catchment groups um, and indeed Thriving South and on the show a few times actually and they are doing some wonderful work uh, and I like the entire community-led approach that, they, uh, that they're that they involved with um, and clearly it's definitely having a positive impact from what I can gather uh, on water quality and just in general terms of community engagement which is really, really cool. Yeah, no, that is very good and it's bringing communities together, getting everyone in the community talking together and, mm. and, and working towards the same common goal. Mm. Hey, have you got a view on what is being asked of farmers in terms of emission reductions? Um, obviously, in February, beef and lamb, dairy and and fed farmers are heading through the country or going to plan. Obviously, with um, Omicron, it might change, but heading through the country with roadshows discussing alternative options for farmers going into the ETS. Have you had a look at all this yet? Yeah, no, I've been following it fairly closely with Federated Farmers on, on this stuff. Uh, a lot of people uh, sort of anti what's going on there mm. um, uh, but it's sort of a rock and a hard place one like we can't we can't sit back and have nothing we've got to have something so it's um, the power of likes of federated farmers to negotiate a good position on this one is going to be essential I think it's pretty important that farmers whilst many might not be totally on board with it I think it's pretty important that farmers get along and engage with these roadshows so their voice is heard so fed farmers um, beef and lamb and dairy and can include farmers views into their responses uh, to government do you think that's fair Oh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely got to be the way, but I'm not sure with having them in February whether you're going to engage with all the farmers or not. Um, mm. Things like field days and that have unfortunately been um, cancelled due to the pandemic, and you might not just get the cross-section of farmers that they're fully looking for. Mm. Do you think this government understands farming, and are their policies out of touch? No, I don't think this government understands farming at all. Um, I think they're completely out of their depth when it comes to anything like this. Now, what about the future? How does the future look for farming in this country, and especially for the next generation or you know farmers coming through? Um, is the family farm safe, for example, and is farming always going to be an important part to New Zealand? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, fam- family farming still goes on in Parts of South and most have had to expand to the neighbours as well or get bigger. It doesn't happen like that all across the country, but that's what's happened in Southland. You either you either get bigger or you or you disappear. It's sort of economies of scale, really. Um, but no, long term, we produce good food in a sustainable way. So, yeah, what better place would you would you rather be? Couldn't agree more. Hey, look, um, appreciate your time today, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks. Thank you again to Chris for joining me this week. I have to say, and like Chris alluded to, whilst prices for lamb and beef, and indeed dairy, are high and well above 10-year averages, they damn well need to be. With continued supply chain disruptions due to the pandemic, and now inflation is accelerating, 
Farm input costs are significantly increasing also. Interest rates are on the rise, fertiliser costs are up 20%, cultivation, harvesting and animal feed are up 19%. Urea is nearly 70% higher than it was in 2020. Shipping costs are a staggering 500% higher than they were in 2018. All of this eats away into margins across the board. So do record prices mean the farmer pops down to buy a new boat? No. It means that at the current rate, farmers require annual record prices to keep pace with inflation and remain profitable. 2022, I believe, will be a very tough year. And there are already plenty of signs to suggest that. And that is purely from an economic perspective. I am no economist. But if farm gate returns do not keep pace with increased farm input costs, then we have a problem. We have a government that many believe knows very little about farming, and I tend to agree with them. Chris talked about his local council applying a different interpretation of certain environmental regulations and interpreting rules differently to central government, which is simply confusing and at odds with the good work farmers are doing. There needs to be cohesion and currently central government and local government are missing the mark. I would say buckle up for a big year. That's all for me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.